0: Spring football practices are back underway. The students are back from spring break and on the football field. So what are the latest headlines coming out of Eugene with Dan Lanning and the new staff? Plus, Oregon basketball, future five-star commit, or current five-star commit, I should say. Kel Ware, showed out in McDonald's All-American game. What to take away from his performance on ESPN the other day. Here we go. You are locked on Ducks. Your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube every day. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe wherever you are listening to and or watching this show right now. Appreciate all of you that continue to stay up to date here with me on Locked on Ducks every day and all the guests we have coming on and all the news that we continue to bring you. So Oregon football back at spring practice, which just gets the juices flowing, doesn't it? Seeing guys in the green and yellow and white hitting one another, running plays, going through drills. Uh, just every time I see one of those videos on Twitter and you got an assistant coach or Dan Lanning mic'd up, it just, man, it fires me up. By the way, uh, speaking of Oregon football news, I'm recording this pod Thursday night, drops on Friday. Lebius Overton is committing on Friday afternoon, a five-star defensive lineman in the class of 2022. The Ducks are seen as a little bit of a dark horse right now. Texas AM and still the favorite, but we will see what happens there. And I'll have a full recap for you on Monday's show. But spring practice number three and four are in the books. There have been some notable takeaways. I'm not going to get into the quarterback thing right now. I think we're going to let that settle down. I'm, I'm sure a lot of Oregon fans saw that Ty Thompson took the reps with the first teamers, Bonix with the second teamers. they just, let's, let's breathe. Let it play out just, just a little bit more. But there were some takeaways from the third spring practice that I thought were worthy of discussion. A couple of roster things. There are seven scholarship newcomers who have now joined the Ducks that were not there previously. The first couple of practices, five freshmen and two transfers. Uh, the freshmen are uh, Julio Florence, Michael Wooten, who's an offensive lineman from Sierra Canyon in California. Not the highest rated recruit in the class, but you never know when those sorts of guys can pop and become big time players. Noah Whittington, the transfer from Western Kentucky. Justice Lowe, wide receiver out of Lake Oswego, my hometown school. Shout out L.O. Devin Jackson and Harrison Taggart, the freshman linebackers. Chase Coda is in there as well. Chase Coda is wearing number 23. And I think it is just so awesome. And uh, Dan Lanning was asked a question about and his face lit up when talking about, you know, what it means for a guy like Chase Coda to play for Oregon football, which is where his dad played back in the 1990s. I believe he was a safety. Chase is a wide receiver and he's got curly hair. He's about six foot one. He's a good athlete, but not known for this unbelievable athleticism, good hands, solid route runner might remind you of Jeff male a little bit. If he became even 75, 80% of Jeff Mail, chase Coda would be a high impact player this year for the ducks. If you've been with me for a long time, first of all, thank you for doing that. Second of all, you know, my favorite Oregon wide receiver of all time is Jeff Mail. It's not even close. And I've liked a lot of guys over the years, but Jeff Mail has been number one. So it's fun to see that uh, that kind of throwback memory there and the uh, the days of Jeff Mail being on, on the Ducks with Chip Kelly. And uh, He was actually on the last Belotti team as well as a freshman or as a sophomore, I believe, and then he uh, was a big-time player for Chip for a couple of years. So there are uh, some newcomers there. Uh, landing after the third practice said that, He thought there was another level of juice, and I think the intensity did pick up a little bit at the fourth spring practice from what I I was able to read and discern for the Ducks, which is good. And, you know, I think part of that really is just guys are coming off a spring break, and there's a lot of new players on the team. It's a new staff. They're still trying to, you know, find their groove and settle in, but I don't think they're going to have a problem being motivated by the staff. They're a bunch of high-energy, get-after-it, be-involved sorts of coaches. When you watch those videos I was alluding to earlier earlier, on on Twitter from Oregon Football. A lot of times what you see are assistant coaches involved in the drills, right? Like Dillingham will uh play as a defensive end for a quarterback who's uh practicing the read option, or Tosh Lupoy will, will demonstrate what he wants his guys to be doing in a certain drill. I love that sort of stuff. Some guys are more just X's and O's scheme, coach from afar, all that that's all good and fine, but there's nothing to fire you up quite like an assistant coach who wants to be on the field with his players going through drills every way that he can. Of course, none of the coaches are the athletes that uh, that these guys are. But it's still a fun thing to see. Uh, here was something else that I heard about. So <laughs> apparently. And I read about this on, on, online. There was a, a small consortium of fans who perhaps are concerned. And, and again, it's not a major segment of Oregon fans, at least from what I've been able to come to understand. But apparently there are some out there worried about the recent quote unquote recruiting misses that that Dan Lanning and the staff have had in, in the last couple weeks. And you know, that's Nico Yamalaya going to Tennessee and uh, a couple other guys who the ducks were in on like Mitchell Agude going to Miami, right? You've had a couple of, of players who Oregon was in the final mix for, and ultimately they chose to go somewhere else. And so I, I think it's important to just sit back and realize that Dan Lanning is going to be fine on the recruiting trail. This staff is going to be fine on the recruiting trail. You're not going to get every guy you are after. Oregon has had no problem in the last few years recruiting high caliber players that help bring in the highest rate of recruiting class in school history for the class of 2021. Most of whom, by the way, are still on the roster, might I remind you, but. Just because they missed a couple doesn't mean that they're still not going to bring in big-time guys. Even in that top-ranked recruiting class, at least in school history, you think Oregon got every single guy they were after? You think they got every single big-time prospect who they were in the final two or three four? No, there's a bunch of great schools across the country with great coaches and great football programs and great traditions that guys want to go and play for. You're not going to get all of them. They've already recruited this staff that Oregon and Dan Lanning have assembled better than expected so far a top 25 class that was at one point down in the sixties nationally, got all the way up to top 25 with commits like Jalil Florence and Davey Uli and Devin Jackson. Like there are just a lot of guys who the staff have been able to bring in who were maybe a little on the fence or you could have understood going elsewhere. They kept Jaleel Tucker, who had committed under the crystal ball staff, and he was able to bring his teammate Jalil Florence. Like there were a lot of wins. I've talked about them here on the show, and there's a reason I do. You're not going to win every single recruiting battle. It is just not possible. The guys on this staff. Are proven recruiters everywhere that they have been. Pallage at Baylor recruited a couple all-conference caliber players for the Baylor Bears and head coach Dave Aranda down there. Tosh Lupoy has been a recruiter of the year in college football. Recruited every step of the way. He's coming back from the NFL. Maybe needs to get his feet under him a little bit, but I have no doubts that he's going to bring in high-caliber players. Look at who Dan Lanning got to come to Oregon, or got to come to Georgia and build up that defense that won a national championship. It takes time to develop relationships and establish, you know, there's sort of recruiting footprint and identity that you want to on the trail for all these coaches and the staff writ large, but I am not worried about it in the slightest, not at all. So I feel that that is a, a worthy thing to point out today. Do you know the name JJ Greenfield? Well, you just might. And he's made an appearance at spring practice. That is relevant. I'll tell you why after I tell you about built bar. You know I love Built Bars, right? I buy them all the time. Peanut butter brownie, I like those. Mint brownie, I love those. They're loaded up in my golf bag. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Replace all your candy bars with Built Bars this year. They're way better and they're way better for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code lock 15 for 15% off at Built.com. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Sorry, I had to take a breath there. We were rolling, rolling today. As I recorded, I had salmon for dinner. Maybe that's just, and I haven't had that in a long time, and not going to lie, I made it pretty darn well. It turned out nicely, right? Some herbs, some spices, a little bit of lemon juice, sear on either side on the stovetop, finish it in the oven, boom, cash money in the bank with a baked potato and salad. It was a good dinner. So maybe that's why I'm all fired up today. Just Just been rolling. Could have been a little bit cleaner on the cold open, but you know what? Nobody's perfect, much like the recruiting staff, right? So the name J.J. Greenfield, you might have heard his story in in the last couple years or so. We don't know all the details of it, but he was a three-star recruit who came to the Ducks and in 2020 as a true freshman played in a handful of games and had a couple of nice moments in in that pandemic-shortened season. But this past season, he was away from the team. He was playing football for San Mateo College. And now, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator, he's back. So I'm not opposed to that at all. And one of the reasons that I like this is he's a guy who has shown spurts. Right. It was not a lot in 2020, but there were a couple moments where you saw him make a play. You go, oh, who's who's that? Like, it catches your eye a little bit but he is a safety most importantly in Oregon in the defensive backfield is pretty thin. They're going to be relying on some young players, maybe even some of the freshmen, one or two of the Jaleels on the outside, or maybe at the slot corner position. We'll see if uh, Kamari Terrell sees any action this year. It looks like Triquez bridges based on the reports out of spring practice is moving back to safety. He was a corner this past year, but he was originally recruited to Oregon as a safety. So There's a lot to be determined, and I I like having a guy like Greenfield there for a couple reasons. One, he provides depth and is able to push the guys in in front of him at the very least. So that's that's, that's really two reasons. So we'll call that two. Reason number three, again, we don't know all the details, not really my concern or yours. He was on scholarship when he originally came to the Ducks, but then when he was away from the program, he lost his scholarship. But now he's back with Oregon. And he's not on scholarship right now. And that sort of commitment to Eugene from anyone on the roster, whether you're a guy who plays a lot or not, I'm all about it. I think that's great for a locker room. I think having a guy who, you know, through two coaching staffs wants to be there and, you know, whether he's on scholarship or not, wants to show that he can earn it. Having that sort of guy working hard to spring practice, I am. I am a huge, huge fan. And, you know, the the Steve Stevens, Bennett Williams, other safeties guys in this uh, safety room, they, they have to be ready because if he is playing and willing to do so without a scholarship, that means he's hungry for football and maybe he'll, he'll shoot his way up the depth chart. We'll just have to monitor that as the uh, spring season goes along. So. Switching now to Oregon basketball, Kell Lware in the McDonald's All-American Game. And by the way, if you ever want a question answered here on the show, tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod or just DM me on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 is my personal handle at LockedOnDucks is the show's Twitter handle. Make sure you're following there to keep up with every episode, all the latest news as well. Uh, by the way, the uh, I'm blanking on his last name right now. Uh, but Oregon got a five-star commit Mookie cook. His name is Marquise cook, but he goes by Mookie cook, uh, who is according to his family and a report, uh, I saw from Andrew Namek, He is not reclassifying the class of 2022, but Dana Altman now has, uh, landed a five-star commit in the class of 2023. And he's the first top five player for Oregon since bull bull back in the class of 2018. So exciting times at Ridgeway high, as they say, uh, <laughs> I don't know why that pops into my head, but it did. Uh, so let's get to another five-star Oregon will have on the roster in 2022. And that's Kel Elware. So he's a five-star from North Little Rock, Arkansas. He's seven feet tall, 210 pounds. He's the number 16 overall recruit in the class of 2022. He committed to the Ducks over a variety of schools with big-time names who had all made offers and were interested in him, but... Uh, we got him over schools like Arkansas or Auburn, who went to the Elite Eight and were number two seed this year, respectively. Kansas, who's in the Final Four. Now, there were some other schools on there. If you look at the offers like Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Alcorn State, but I think that that, that was more a reflection of just geographical convenience. And, you know, you never know if a guy is going to come to a smaller school. I don't think that that is reflective at all of the sort of caliber player he is, because other schools that offer him included Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech, Illinois. Baylor in the class of 2022, he's definitely got the most hype amongst the, uh, the newcomers for Dana Altman and, and the coaching staff, which we'll have to uh, replace after coach Crutchfeld went to university, of Nebraska, Omaha as a head coach. So this is a guy who based on his physical traits alone projects as a first round NBA pick. And the highlights are pretty darn impressive from a physical standpoint. And 24-7 Sports, the Scattering Report, you know I love those, and I find them to be pretty accurate, generally speaking. Uh, Talks about his high upside because of his physical gifts. Because normally you hear, you know, 7 feet tall, 210 pounds. All right, he's a little bit thin. But when you watch him play, he's smooth. He can handle the ball. He's a little bit like Chet Holmgren. He actually weighs more than Chet Holmgren, who is very, 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 very thin. Uh, where has got 15 pounds on, on Holmgren, but it's a similar type of player, right? Kind of center power forward, tall guy can stretch the floor and shoot it, dribbles the ball in space. But I thought the 24 seven scouting report had a really good tidbit about him or, or observation. So shout out to whoever put that together. I didn't write his name down, but he said, quote, production will increase once he understands the importance of keeping his motor running in high gear and gains comfort in playing Through physicality. Now, recently he played in the McDonald's All-American game, which you can take from that what you will, but the the guys who showed out are some of the other highly rated recruits in the class of 2022 for college basketball and will be high impact players at big time schools next year. So I think it's a decent barometer to see, you know, kind of where he measures up because it's different after playing in high school. And I I watched the highlights uh, of him playing in that game and was able to observe some you know, non highlight plays from him as well. And I have many uh, thoughts and I sort of agree with that assessment. Not all bad news though. No need to panic duck fans. I'll tell you what I'm talking about here and what I'm thinking. But first I want to tell you about bet online for all the latest scores odds and props this season bet online has you covered all the way through with March madness. Just go there. If you want to bet a champion, if you want to bet where the next fired coach is going to land bet online has it all. It's also your number one source for scores, podcasts and sports news this season. Plus they've got your favorite Vegas casino games, tons of betting information over there. If you're into gambling at all, just check out bet online, bet online, where the game starts. All right, that was me catching my breath again. <sighs> Technically, that was. Okay, now we're rolling. So, uh plays the McDonald All-American game for the West, who ended up getting trounced. Uh, it was not particularly close. They lost by 20-some-odd points. But that that scouting report about, you know, he has to keep his motor running in high gear and gain comfort playing with physicality. I definitely saw that. Now, the, the caveat here to my observations of him in that game is it was a McDonald's All-American game, not a high school team playing for a state title or a college basketball game. It was, however, the first time he played against, you know, his future peers, essentially, right? Rather than being a seven-foot athletic center in Little Rock, Arkansas, where he's the most physically dominant player on the court and there's no one who can challenge him that much. His physical gifts are obvious, but I think that that's part of why his motor needs to pick up a little bit relative to what we saw in that game. And I think even at times when, when you watch his tape in high school as well, he can play w- with more energy, with more uh, passion in certain moments. I think getting him with a guy like Frank Kepnong and letting big Frank's energy just carry right over to the upcoming young freshman, I think that could be really beneficial for him and help him hit his ceiling because he has a unique physical skill set. And in the McDonald's All-American game, he did have a couple of dunks that rattled out, apparently, which I don't expect that to be a trend that continues because when you look at his size and athleticism, it's pretty shocking. He is a really big, really athletic guy. He did have a couple of put-back put, put back dunks that did go down for him. And let me tell you, he had one that showcases athleticism nicely. He had one that put it on full display and made you kind of step back, go, whoa, whoa, who is that guy? And that was when, I think it was in the first half, might have been in the second, don't remember the exact time, but he had a one-handed tomahawk put-back jam where his head is basically even with the rim. Again, I will remind you, he is seven feet tall, 210 pounds. Not bad for a guy of that size. He has got great athleticism. The shot-blocking potential is tremendous. And uh, the rest of the scouting report on him reads his ability to glide around the court at his size, his quickness off the floor, to go attack the ball at the highest point on rebounds and potential to be a big-time shot blocker are all there. In that All-American game, the note about needing to keep his motor high I think was pretty obvious because what you hear there in that tidbit I just read is the potential to be a big-time shot blocker are all there? If he were to step on the court for this Oregon team, whose season just concluded in the second round of the NIT against Texas A&M, if he stepped on the court for that team right now, I don't think he would block that many shots. But athletically and lengthwise, I think he has the potential to do that. But he has to learn how to anticipate and how to play with timing. That's something that's really underrated as a shot blocker. You have to have the motor, right? Think of Oregon's best shot blockers. Chris Boucher, Jordan Bell, Kenny Wooten, Frank and, and Folly even are, are becoming really good shot blockers. They're all high energy guys. I think Frank a little bit more than, than in Folly right now. But when you look at the way they play, it it's a mindset. It's a mentality to always be kind of on the prowl, looking for when that guard is going to take his guy to the hole and throw up, you know, so, some in his eyes, perhaps pathetic little teardrop. It's not that pathetic, but throw up something that he can just volleyball swat into the second level a la Kenny Wooten. But the way that he composes himself in press conferences, you can see he's a little bit more mellow. He's a little bit more chill guy. And his motor does need to take a, take a step up by the time he gets to the college game. I think there's going to be a pretty good size adjustment for him when, when he gets to the ducks, because, Right now, especially in Little Rock, Arkansas, where your competition's just not going to be that high, there aren't that many people, right? That tends to be the the trend is more people you have in a state, the more talented high school players you have in really any given sport. So he's able to just kind of coast through stuff, and that's part of the reason I think he plays so smooth and he's confident handling the ball in the open court. He's got a nice release on his jump shot, and he can stretch the floor. But I think that he has got to be able to figure out how to use his size and physicality to assert himself. Because in order for his presence to be felt right now, you know, he's in his years playing high school ball. He hasn't had to do, I would say that much because he's just bigger and taller. I mean, his length, even in the, even in the McDonald's all American game, his length pops off the screen. I mean, it it is so noticeable every time he he is on the court when he was on. And when he was off for the West, you could see because the presence was there but the finishing touches are not quite there at the defensive end. The potential, though, is, is really, really high, and so I, I, I was excited watching him play. You know, I, I know I just had a, a couple criticisms of him, but I think that that's always being fair, and I think guys will get better. Dane Altman's a great coach, and he knows that he'll have to get him to, to improve in certain areas, and I think that he certainly can, but when he watches athleticism, it's hard to not get excited because a guy who is that physically dominant at the high school level is still going to be a presence at the collegiate level. It just has to have, you know, a couple tweaks, a couple, a couple things get refined for him to come close to hitting a ceiling. But <laughs> I tell you what. When he's putting up that one-handed tomahawk dunk, and you go, Oh my gosh, he is seven feet tall. It's pretty darn. Awesome. Quick wrap up today. Baseball and softball update softball. Most recently won two of their three games against Cal. They've got an upcoming series with UCLA. Who's always a good softball program. That'll be exciting. Baseball swept a two game series with San Francisco. They won four, three in game number two, using six pitchers, by the way, down at, at PK park, love a good bullpen day executed to perfection there by the ducks. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.